Now, today we're gonna celebrate Christmas and end our Christmas series that we've been in called Light in the Darkness. And we've been looking at this Christmas story from an unusual perspective this year. We've actually started about 3,000 years ago in the time that the Old Testament uh, prophet Isaiah lived. He actually lived about 700 years before Christ's birth. And Isaiah had some very specific prophecies about Christ and his birth. And it's interesting that the time that Isaiah lived, when he was talking about Christ, he lived in a very dark time in Israel's history and in human history. He lived around 740 BC and his nation, Israel, had gone through a civil war. And we in America, we understand what civil wars are like. That civil war created two kingdoms, a Northern kingdom called Israel and a Southern kingdom called Judah. And those kingdoms were constantly at battle with each other. Um, Each kingdom had a line of kings. They had a few good kings. They had a lot of bad kings. Those bad kings led their kingdom away from worshiping their God. They were defeated by the Assyrians and the Assyrians repopulated many regions of Israel with their own people. And those people brought their practices of worshiping their foreign gods and they engaged some pretty horrible practices of those gods. Specifically, they were known to sacrifice their own children in honor of their gods. That influenced the Israelites in a very negative way. And that part of Israel became known as the land of darkness. And then God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah 9.1. He said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So last week, we learned together that 700 years after Isaiah prophesied this, Jesus was born. And Isaiah was talking about Jesus being that light. And then Jesus started his earthly ministry in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali. He was the great light that the people in great darkness were going to see. And he didn't show up to shine his light in the brightest part of our world at the brightest time. God showed up in the darkest region of our world at one of the darkest times our world has ever known. But when we think about Christmas, we often don't realize the world that Jesus was born into. You know, for many of us, we're 2,000 years removed from Christmas. And for us, Christmas is hopefully a little cooler weather. It's some Christmas movies, maybe hot chocolate, maybe some Christmas music that we so much enjoy, flickering candles and um, gathering with family and friends. You know, that's often what we think about when we think about Christmas, but that was not the world that Jesus was born into. Israel, the place of Jesus' birth, has been a place of constant turmoil, violence, and war for several thousand years. And after their civil war that they went through, they were taken captive by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and the Greeks. Then at Christ's birth, they were occupied by the Romans and the Romans were ruthless. They ruled over the regions that they were in control of with an iron fist and they would not allow insurrections. Uh, They would deal with insurrections immediately and brutally. And crucifixion came from the Romans. 
They were often known to use that as an intimidation tactic against people who might even think about fighting against their control. So since they controlled much of the Mediterranean Sea, they would put different kings or governors over the countries that they ruled. Over Israel, they put King Herod in charge, and Herod was a distant relative to the Jews, but he was a really bad king. He murdered several of his family members because he was paranoid that they might take his throne from him, and he's known as the baby-killing king because he ordered for all two-year-old boys and under to be murdered because he was threatened by baby Jesus. He heard about baby Jesus. He thought baby Jesus was going to grow up and take his kingdom. And so he ordered for the murder of those young baby boys. So again, Jesus was born into a very dark and violent world. Now, how many moms do we have with us this afternoon? Hold your hand up if you're a mom. All right, let's, let's celebrate our moms for, for a second. Moms, we are so grateful for you. We realize we would not be here without you. Literally, we would not be here without you. Uh, how many pregnant moms do we have? Any pregnant moms here? Anybody willing to admit that you're pregnant? Hold your hand up. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't see anybody. Okay, so maybe you're like, you're thinking like, that's my Christmas gift to my family. I'm telling them tomorrow. Like, if that's so great, hold on to that for a second. But think about Mary, okay? So think about Mary and what her experience was like on that first Christmas. So Mary had, I think, a hard enough time in the time that she lived. And then think about her being a young mom, like maybe 14 years old. Like think about being a 14-year-old and thinking about giving birth to God. Like grab that with your brain and see if you can hold on to that for a little while. And she was accused of betraying her fiancé. So there were many people in her community that thought she was a betrayer. So she had a bad mark on her as she was starting her new little family. And she was thinking, I'm sure, about bringing Jesus into the dark world. Just imagine the fear and anxiety that she might be going through. Then to make matters worse, Luke chapter 2 tells us that at the time, the Roman governor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now, Mary wasn't just expecting a child. She was expecting the child at any moment. She was nine months pregnant. And imagine traveling about 100 miles, not in a car, not with a quick airplane ride or helicopter ride, but imagine traveling from about here up to the Florida-Georgia border on foot, possibly on a donkey. Imagine how much fun that trip would be. And I'm sure Mary had some interesting conversations with God on that trip. I'm sure as she rode the very bumpy, rocky terrain, as she was moving from the northern part of Israel down to the, the, the southern part of Israel, I'm sure she had some conversations with God and, and possibly said, like, Lord, really? Like, are you sure this is the right time to bring Jesus into the world? Our world is such a dark place. Like, I'm not even sure we're going to survive this trip. Are you sure? This is the time 
that you wanna bring God, the son, into the world. And Mary might have even had a conversation with God like this, like, God, my heart is getting a little dark as well. You know, Joseph, he's making me sick with this donkey driving. Like he's driving all over the place and I'm gonna wring his neck. Like I can't stand his driving. I'm gonna get off and drive myself. Like I'm not sure if she had those conversations, but I am sure that Mary and Joseph thought this is a really interesting time for God to step into the world. Listen to what the apostle Paul said about that in Romans chapter five, verse six. He said, when we were utterly helpless, that we means us, when we were utterly helpless, when there was no hope for us because of sin, evil, and darkness, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So when did Christ come into the world to shine his light for all people? At just the right time. God always shows up at just the right time. You know, I found in my life that God does not show up in my time. You know, that's frustrating to me. You know, often, you know, I'll have a, a request or a need in my life and I'll pray to God and I'll give him like five seconds, maybe 10 at times. And I'm thinking like, where are you? Like, what's taking so long? Uh, but as I look back in my life, I'll have to admit that, you know what? God always shows up at just the right time. So if this Christmas season, you're waiting for God to do something in your life, guess when he's gonna show up? Just the right time. I don't exactly know when that time is. You may not love that time. You may not love what he does when he shows up, but God will always show up at just the right time and he will always do what we need done. It may not be what we want done. It may not be when we want it done, but God specializes in showing up at just the right time to do the exact thing that needs to be done. So Mary and Joseph made it to Bethlehem at just the right time. Because Luke 2, 6 says, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So Jesus wasn't born in a palace. I mean, think about that. The king of the universe was born in a stable, was born around animals, animal smells, animal sounds. That's where the king of the universe was born. Eight days later, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised. So back in those days, uh, when someone had a child, specifically a son, they would take that son to the temple and offer that son basically in, in a practice of offering that child to the Lord in honor of, of the Lord to raise that child in, in God's ways. And again, if it was a son, that son would be sacrificed by a priest, a religious leader. I am personally so glad that we no longer practice that because I don't want you bringing your sons to me for that because that's not something that I specialize in. But Luke chapter two, verse 25 says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, 
He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon's prophecy was part of the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that God would send his light into the world for all people. So Simeon was saying, hey, hey, Joseph, hey, Mary, you know that prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah? You know that prophecy? Jesus is the one that Isaiah was talking about. He is the light of the world. He is the one who will reveal God to everyone. And that is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about Jesus bringing eternal light and life to everyone, including you. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, whether you consider yourself religious or not, whether you know a lot about the Bible, you don't know anything about the Bible, whether you've been to church all your life or this is the first time you've ever stepped into the doors of a church, or if you haven't been in church so long, you were afraid to come tonight because you thought the building would fall down when you walked in. God brought his light for you. God sent his light into the world for you. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus said in John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And based on that, I wanna ask you this question. Where do you need Jesus to shine his light into your life? Where might you need Jesus to shine his light into your life right now? Like maybe you're experiencing some relational darkness. Maybe you have a broken marriage going on. Maybe you have a broken family. Maybe you haven't talked to one of your kids in a long time. Maybe you haven't spoken to your parents in a while. Maybe you've got a broken friendship that's going on and you're in this relational darkness and you're just not sure what to do. Maybe you're experiencing an emotional darkness. You know, often Christmas is a time of celebration for many of us, but for some people, Christmas is a very sad, lonely time because it reminds them of some pain that they've experienced in their lives. And right now, you might be one of those people. You might be experiencing a little bit of emotional darkness right now while everybody around you is celebrating Christmas. So maybe you're experiencing some emotional darkness or some health darkness. Like there's a lot of, of um, sickness going around and maybe you're experiencing some health issues or somebody you know is experiencing some health issues. Doctors haven't found what the answers are for that yet and maybe it's just a little uncertain for your future or their future and you're not sure what you're supposed to do next. Maybe there's a spiritual darkness in your life. You don't know if there's a God. You have questions that you can't seem to get answers for. You don't know where you stand with God. Maybe there's a personal darkness that... Uh, you have in your life from maybe something that you've done in the past, maybe something that's been done to you, and that's brought a little darkness into your world. And, and that's the reality of sin. Whether it's our sin or somebody else's sin, sin always brings darkness. But God's love always brings light. And that's what God wants to do today in this Christmas. He wants to bring light into those dark moments, those dark places of our lives. The question is, will we let God do that? The interesting thing is when God shines his light into our lives, we have the ability to accept and receive that light or reject that light. 
When God shines his light into our lives and shows us how to fix a relationship through forgiveness, we can receive that or we can say, no way, you don't know what they've done. I will never forgive them. God says, I know what they've done. And I know what forgiveness is all about. I've had to do that with all of humanity. When God shines his light into our lives, maybe giving us some clarity for uncertainty or some peace for uh, emotional stress that we might be experiencing. Again, we can receive that and, and allow God's light to shine in our lives and transform how we think and how we behave, or we can reject it and say, no thanks. I don't want it. I don't need it. And when we reject God's light, we are choosing to stay in our darkness. That's never a thing that God wants for us. God always shines his light so that we can step out of darkness into light in a deeper relationship with him. Last week, we talked about God's primary mission in the world. And Jesus gave us the picture of that in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, when he said, he came to seek and save those who are lost. So think about that. God's primary mission for sending his light into the world was to seek and to save those who are spiritually lost. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you don't understand that he died so that you can have eternal life, if you've not put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, then Jesus considers you spiritually lost. You might not feel spiritually lost. But here's what Jesus knows. If you pass before you make a decision like that to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, you will spend an eternity apart from the God who loves you enough to send his only son into the world to die so that you can live. He can't stand the thought of that. He can't stand the thought of any one of us not spending forever with him. That's why he sent Jesus into the world. And then Jesus says this in the most famous Bible verse of all time. In John 3, 16, he says this, for God so loved the world, that's you and that's me, that he gave his one and only son. That's not just Easter that we're gonna celebrate in a few months, but that's also Christmas We can't celebrate Easter without celebrating Christmas and Christ coming as a baby to be born and then to live a perfect life and then to die for our sins. So he gave his one and only son that whoever, that's anyone, that's not just certain people, that's anyone who wants a relationship with God, whoever believes in him. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say whoever behaves like him because all of us would fall short. None of us could make it. I can't even make it five minutes acting like Jesus and I act like myself again. And we all are like that. He says, whoever believes, believes in what? Believes in what Jesus did on the cross for us, that he died to pay for our sins so that we can have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So when we understand what Jesus did on the cross to pay for our sins, when we repent of our sins and ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, that's when God's light shines in our hearts and transforms our lives. That's when we move from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. Some of you this afternoon might need to make that decision. Like this might be your moment to step out of spiritual darkness and into spiritual light. And and if that's you, here's what I encourage you to do during communion. We'll celebrate that in just a few minutes, but I encourage you to have a conversation with the creator of the universe. I know you might think, well, that sounds a little weird, but guess what? He's waiting, he's listening. He cups his ears to listen for us when we call out to him. He bends down to engage a relationship with us. 
So during communion, I encourage you just to tell him, like, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I ask you to be my personal Lord and Savior. If you have that conversation today, two things will happen. One is a party will break out in heaven. Scripture says that in the presence of God's angels, God celebrates a party. So who's in the presence of God's angels? God is. Who's throwing the party? God is. When any person puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God is so excited and a party breaks out. The second thing that happens is God responds. Revelation 3 says that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he waits patiently for us to open the door. And maybe for some of you, that's again, the thing that you need to do. You sense he's knocking today. You need to open the door of your heart and let him in and let his light shine into your life and transform you today and for all of eternity. So again, I encourage you, during communion, if you need to have that conversation with God, have that. And then after our services, stop by and talk to me in the lobby. I would love to have a conversation with you about that. I'd love to give you a free resource that can help you grow in your new relationship with God. If you're watching online, just email us at care at theepicchurch.com. We would love to mail that to you to help you grow in your relationship as well. In just a minute, we're gonna celebrate communion together. And when we think about that first Christmas, it would only be 33 short years after Jesus was born that he would gather his disciples together and institute that first communion. And over a meal, he would break bread, he would bless it, He would say, guys, this bread represents my body, which is gonna be broken for you. And then he poured a cup of wine after supper, saying, guys, like this cup represents my blood, which is gonna be poured out for you. And all the disciples are going like, we don't get it, like we don't understand. And they would understand later after Christ's resurrection. They would remember what Jesus instituted in that communion time. The primary purpose that Jesus was born was to die so that we can live. And I think during Christmas, as we celebrate communion together, that is worth celebrating. So when we celebrate communion, I encourage you to thank God for sending his light into our dark world and sending his light into your life. And if you're in a dark moment right now, and if you need to talk with someone, I encourage you to stop by our care table before you leave. We have some amazing people there that would love to talk with you and pray with you. I'll be in the lobby as well. Love to have a conversation with you. If you are not experiencing a dark moment this Christmas season, I encourage you to look around because there are other people struggling right now in some moment of darkness and they could use some light. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. John chapter eight, he says, I am the light of the world. Then in Matthew 5, he says, you're the light of the world. I've placed my light in you. And what you're supposed to do with it is shine it out for others to see. So I guarantee you, there's somebody around you right now. Maybe somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they work with you. Maybe you see them at the gym. There's somebody around you right now who desperately needs a little bit of God's light shine into their lives. And God is asking you to do that and how you treat them and how you love them this Christmas season. So I encourage you to think about that during communion 
and ask, God, who do you want me to shine a little bit of your light into? As we get ready for communion, let me tell you how we're gonna do that for, for those on campus. And if you're watching online, especially if you're at home, what I encourage you to do is maybe get some communion elements ready. Maybe go to the kitchen, get some juice, get some crackers, get some bread ready for that. And then you'll be able to celebrate communion as we do that here on campus. Now, let me just say something about that real quick. There are some folks that feel like if you're not at church and you're not celebrating communion under the leadership of a pastor or religious leader, it's sacrilegious. Let me just say that's not true. That's not found in scripture. We have the ability to celebrate communion in a lot of different contexts. We can celebrate that personally. We can celebrate that together corporately as a church. We can celebrate that as a family. We can celebrate that as a small group. My family will celebrate communion together at our home uh, as we celebrate Christmas. I encourage you to do that as well. It's a wonderful thing to do as you celebrate Christmas together. So we can do that in a lot of different contexts. So again, we're gonna do that here in just a moment. And what we believe here at Epic is communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whether you call this your church home or not. And we have seven communion stations set up. We have two up front here. We have four in the back and we have one in our lobby area. And what I encourage you to do after I read a portion of scripture out of 1 Corinthians is to get up out of your seats and move to one of these tables. At the tables, you will find our little communion cups. One side will lead you to the communion wafer, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. The other side will lead you to the juice that represents Christ's blood, which is poured out for us. So as you come to one of these tables, pick up the communion elements and then pick up a candle. There should be candles there in little boxes. So grab a candle, grab your communion elements and go ahead and sit back down. Our worship team will be leading through a song at that time. And when you're ready, go ahead and take communion on your own in the context of this song. When you're finished, turn your candle on, okay? I know that was a whole lot of instructions right there. Okay, if I lost you, just watch somebody else, okay? <laughs> Pick up your communion elements, take that on your own when you're ready, and then turn your candle on when you're finished. Okay, hopefully that all makes sense. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're celebrating something that happened 2,000 years ago that represented God becoming flesh and bringing light into our dark world. That light is still shining. And if you're a Christ follower, again, God asks us to shine that light out this Christmas season. We have a lot of opportunities to do that. I hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, whether you live local, if you live out of town, I hope you have a great time here and safe travels as you go home. I hope you'll join us again on January the 8th as we start a new series, Walk with Jesus. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Then we're gonna pray and celebrate communion together. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. 
God, I'm so grateful for scripture that we can study and learn about the Christmas story. Lord, I'm grateful that the Christmas story doesn't just start for us in the New Testament part of the Bible. The Christmas story starts all throughout the Old Testament. And Lord, just like as we look into Isaiah who lived 700 years prior to Christ's birth and we see that that you spoke through Isaiah and you promised to bring light into a very dark world. And Isaiah knew what that darkness was like. His world was very dark in that moment. And Lord, as we look around our world today, we still see some darkness. So God, thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus to come to planet earth, not as a, as a king, but to show up as a baby. A baby who would grow up to live a perfect life and then who would take the sin of the world on his shoulders, my sin, everyone's sin, as if he had committed those sins and to die so that we can have eternal life. Lord, we're so incredibly grateful for that. Lord, we know that as we celebrate communion, we're announcing your death until you come again. And Lord, we know scripture is very clear about that. The first time you came as baby Jesus. The second time you come, you'll come as King Jesus. And Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Lord, I I pray for all of us who are Christ followers. I pray that we would shine our light out into the lives of people around us so that they can see how they can accept your light into their lives and start a personal relationship with Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who may be here today or watching online who know that you're standing at the door of their heart and knocking and you're just waiting. Lord, I pray that they would grab the handle of that door and fling it open and invite you and your light in by making you their personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for being my light. In Jesus' name, amen.